Darwin on life. Man and dog at the dawn of a new age. Hello again. This is your host, Trailer Park. As I explained in episode one, I have invented an app that uses artificial intelligence to translate the sounds that dogs make into human speech. It also translates human speech into sounds that dogs can understand. As we discovered in the first episode, however, this is unnecessary with my pet Beagle Darwin, as he learned to understand English by watching a lot of TV. So, Darwin, good day. What do you say we pick up our conversation again? There is so much I want to know about how dogs think. Would you like that? I guess so. I hope it won't take too long, though. I really need a nap pretty soon. A nap? Seems to me you spend about 20 hours a day sleeping. In fact, that's something I wanted to ask you about. Why do dogs spend so much time sleeping? First of all, let's get one thing straight. I am a dog, but I don't claim to represent all dogs. Each dog is an individual with his own needs, tastes, and viewpoints. It's like if I were to ask you, why do humans spend so much time picking their noses? Humans don't spend a lot of time picking their noses. Well, excuse me. The only human I have been able to observe at close range is you. And you certainly spend a lot of time picking your nose, so I just assume... I do not spend a lot of time picking my nose. Can we please get back to the topic of sleep? Fine, but that brings me to my second point. What you call sleeping is what we dogs call strategic energy conservation sessions, or sex. When we dogs have sex, we are just preparing ourselves for possible encounters with predators. I don't understand. Why would you have sex to prepare for an encounter with a predator? Not sex, you pervert. Sex. S-E-C-S. Strategic Energy Conservation Sessions. Have you even heard a word I've been saying? Oh, sorry. But you must admit that is a pretty confusing acronym. Not to us dogs. And I still don't understand your preoccupation with predators. Why do you feel so threatened? Our neighborhood seems pretty safe to me. If you actually watched the news instead of using it as just background noise, you would understand the perils we dogs face. Did you not see the story about the black bear that broke through a backyard fence to try to steal some food? If it wasn't for the courageous Cocker Spaniel who raised the alarm, who knows what tragedy could have transpired? Uh, I guess I must have missed that one. Or how about the bald eagle who swooped down to try to carry off a poor little chihuahua? Fortunately, the chihuahua ducked under the porch at the last moment. We dogs have to be on our paws every second in order to stay safe. That's why we nap so often, to make sure we have the energy we need in times of crisis. Okay, you may have a point. I suppose you never noticed that we usually have one eye open when we are napping. Actually, I have noticed that, and I find it a bit creepy. I guess I assume that you are constantly on the lookout for food falling on the floor. From your snarky tone, it seems you think I am some kind of a glutton. 
Well, you do seem to be very food-focused. When you're in the kitchen, you lick up the tiniest of crumbs off the floor. And when we go for our walks, you seem to be always sniffing around for something to eat. Usually something disgusting, like deer poop. Are you really sure you want to go down this road? I have seen some of the stuff you eat, and the word disgusting barely begins to describe it. Fatty, salty snacks with no nutritional value. Sports drinks and colors not found in nature. How you manage to stay alive is a mystery to me. Okay, I admit my diet is not always the best. But don't I give you enough good food to eat? I mean, you get three meals a day, and when I go out, I always leave you a chew toy filled with peanut butter and kibble. You have to understand that we dogs are natural scavengers. It is in our DNA to be constantly on the lookout for food. Don't forget, we have been domesticated for only a few thousand years. We still have the instincts of our wolf ancestors. Hmm, I would have thought that instinct would have died out by now. You humans have had handkerchiefs for thousands of years, yet you still pick your noses. Okay, okay, can we declare a truce? I won't complain about your scavenging if you stop commenting on nose-picking. Deal? Deal. Thank you. Oh, there's something else I wanted to ask you. Do you know why I called you Darwin? Let me guess. Charles Darwin, the guy who came up with the theory of evolution, explored the Galapagos Islands on the ship called HMS Beagle. So you thought it would be cute to call your Beagle Darwin. Wow, that's right. You really are remarkably well-informed. Even some of my cleverest friends don't make the connection until I point it out to them. So, what you're saying is that you gave your highly intelligent and well-informed canine companion a joke name. Nice. Gosh, when you put it that way, it does seem I was a bit insensitive. Would you like me to change your name? Don't bother. All the names you humans come up with sound stupid to us dogs. Do dogs have names for each other? Like, when we run into Rex and Daisy on our morning walk, do you greet them with a dog name? As I'm sure you have noticed, when we dogs greet each other, it is less about talking and more about smelling. Because of our poor sight, we don't necessarily recognize each other until we have a chance to give each other a good sniff. Our sense of smell is so refined that we can identify thousands of other dogs just by their individual odor. So we don't give each other names in the same sense that you humans do. Besides, human names are based largely on family connections. Since you humans separate us from our families at a young age, a naming system based on family ties wouldn't make sense for us dogs. So we have developed a system based on our unique fragrances. I see. But how exactly does that work? There is no way to explain it in a way that you would understand. The best I can do is by analogy. Take the dog you call Rex. The two principal strains in his unique fragrance are sandalwood and decayed pumpkin. So in human language, you would call him sandalwood decayed pumpkin. Wow, that is fascinating. So, should I call Rex by his dog name, Sandalwood Decayed Pumpkin, the next time I see him? If you do, I will bite you very hard in a very sensitive place. Why? That's his name, isn't it? 
I said that was an analogy to a human name that captures his essence. It would be very offensive to actually call him by those human words. Okay, I will stick with Rex. But if you don't mind me asking, what would be the analogous name that you go by? I do mind your asking. I don't trust you not to use it. Hmm, must be something embarrassing. Since you dogs greet each other by sniffing your private parts, I am guessing that most of the names involve unpleasant body odors. Am I right? I am really starting to regret agreeing to talk about this. For your information, dogs' odors are not the least bit unpleasant to us. The wide range of odors available to our sense of smell is a source of endless delight. It's like the way you listen to classical music to enjoy the wide range of notes and the multiple instruments in a symphony orchestra. And the same way that hearing a familiar voice is pleasing to you humans, we dogs get a warm feeling when we smell an old friend. You know, I really am learning a lot from you, Darwin. I can't wait to dig into some other topics in future podcasts. Before you head off for your nap, I'd like to ask you a couple more questions. Do you dogs have names for us humans based on the same system of individual odors? Of course. Why else would we sniff humans when we greet them? Good point. So, just out of curiosity, what would be the analogous human name for how you refer to me? Are you sure you want to know? Do you promise not to be offended? Sure. What is it? Booger's Junk Food. I call you Booger for short. Fair enough. Enjoy your nap, or your sex as you call it, and we will talk again soon. <sighs>